They called it Black Monday. No shit. What's happening, everyone? Welcome into the Fantasy Stock Exchange. I am not joined by Nick, as you can see. Uh, today is Black Monday like it usually is. Nick's on vacation, so uh, salute to him. Uh, joined by Alex, uh, our editor here, FF Hustler 420 to you. Uh, and uh, Danny, as, as usual, you guys know him. Uh, today we're getting into uh, some bounce-back candidates. So we got uh, three each, so nine total uh, that we're going to be going through today. And um, these guys, obviously, they didn't have good 2019 campaigns, and we think that they're going to um, definitely bounce back and have a better 2020. So without uh, – before we get into that, we'll hit the intro. Are you ready, Jerry? I'm ready. just want to make sure you're ready, brother. Show me the money. All right, so our first guy that I'm going to get into, and this is this is a guy near and dear to my heart, and I'll try and get through this one really fast because I don't know, I don't want anyone accusing me of being a homer here, and that's uh, that's OJ Howard. So obviously OJ Howard was extremely hyped last year. He was the fourth tight end off the board. Everyone was picking him in the fourth, fifth round, including myself, because I thought he was just going to be a superstar this this past year, and. Yes, I know Gronk is a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I know he's on the team now. I know that means that O.J. Howard is downgraded. But um, as we heard the other day, uh, Bruce Arians came out and said that the offense is going to be base uh, 12 personnel, and I agree. Because if you look at the numbers last year, it proved that. So on our team right now, I say our team because I'm on the team, obviously. Uh, on the Tampa Bay Bucks right now, there's uh, there's really no third wide third wide receiver. It's it's uh, Tyler Johnson, who's a rookie, fifth round pick. Scotty Miller, who was a, a sixth round pick last year, and Justin Watson, who was a fifth round pick two years ago. Um, Eleven was their base offense last year at 64, percent which isn't even that high of a percentage considering how many other teams run uh, eleven as their base. But um, so when it comes to Howard. Howard did not have his head screwed on straight last year. I tell him, like, I watch every second of every Tampa Bay Bucks game. He did not look the same. He wasn't the same, like, he's the guy who was the most efficient tight end in NFL history. Like, I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. He, like, his, through his first two seasons, he was the most efficient tight end in NFL history. He, like, he didn't understand the playbook or something because Bruce was punishing him for something. I don't know if it was his work, work ethic, understanding of the playbook, whatever. Either way. Um, if Tampa's offense is base 12, which I believe it will be based on the weapons that we have and, and who our best like 11 are when you um, go out on the field, Philly was the only team last year who was a base 12 offense, meaning that they ran it at over 50% of the time. And um, I think Howard, if you are projecting a base 12 offense, who's going to be in line? Who's the better blocker? Rob Gronkowski, the greatest tight end blocker of all time or OJ Howard. OJ Howard's a good blocker, but he's not nearly in the same class as Rob Gronkowski. So I think, when they're in 12, they're going to have Gronk in line, which means Howard can either be in line on the other side of the line or beside Gronk or hopefully, and this is what I'm projecting, is that they're going to use him in the slot, which is what you need to be using Howard to be doing. He's, he's basically a physical freak. He's a move tight end through and through. He played 12.5% of the snaps from the slot last year, which is way too low. Brait played 20% because he was the second tight end when they went into 11 personnel or 12 personnel. So, and even last year, they played 12 personnel uh, on um, 
I believe it was 24% of the time. And that was seventh in the league. So they used it a decent amount last year, but it will only go up from here. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I thought you were still going. You, no, I've been talking for a while. You guys can get some thoughts in on him if you want. The, yeah, cut this a little bit out, Alex. Yep. So pretend like you just finished the point. Just yeah, so uh, yeah, so just talk, uh, talking about O.J. Howard, I mean, uh, from a talent standpoint, we, we all know by now, Harold, the first-round pick. Uh, and in general, he, again, as you mentioned, he was just misused last year. So uh, I do see the upside. I do think, like, from a talent standpoint, he could ultimately provide you top 20 value. Uh, and he's basically an afterthought. I mean, people are thinking a fucking retired Gronk who hasn't been in the league since, what, 2017? 2018, he played, but he wasn't. Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, he played, played. Yeah. But he didn't really, like, do much. So, uh, yeah, no, when you're, when you're talking about Gronk, are we really thinking that even if he does play, like, is he going to last a full season? Are we 100% no, I, sure I don't of that? think so. And basically, to my point with, with Philadelphia, Philadelphia, um, between Ertz and Goddard, 55% of their combined snaps, I think it was like 30% for Ertz and like 25% for Goddard, um, they played from the slot. So, uh, as I mentioned, I think uh, in a 12 personnel package, OJ Howard is the move tight end and Gronk is the guy in line. So, if you project that out to a base offense, which means that OJ Howard would probably be playing 30 to if not 40% of his snaps from the slot as the move tight end. So if they have a, a four wide set where it's Howard Godwin, and then I don't know, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, maybe they sign another guy and Mike Evans on the outside, it's going to be a lethal offense to stop. So I, I, I just don't see a way that uh, that OJ Howard isn't more valuable than he was last year. Maybe he's not a top, like, I don't know, 10 tight end, but I could, I'm definitely projecting that he's more valuable than he was last year, which obviously isn't, isn't a high bar to achieve, but, I think he could definitely, and obviously you mentioned it with Gronk. There's always a chance he goes down, and then he's the he's the tight end one for Tom Brady, which is what basically everyone wanted last year when, at the trade deadline was that we would trade him to the Patriots. Yeah, for sure. I mean, as you mentioned, everybody was talking about OJ Howard to the Patriots, OJ Howard to the Patriots. Well, the guy who was throwing it for the Patriots is on the Bucks now. So yeah, I I, I fully agree with that. I mean, I'm not necessarily gonna have OJ probably as high as you. He's a 15-round pick, so he's literally yeah, like – I'd I, I definitely take him there. Yeah, if you, take, if you take, I don't know, like um, Hayden Hurst or something and you're a little worried about Hayden Hurst for whatever reason, O.J. Howard will probably be on the waiver wire. You could just pick him up and, and, uh, and use him to cover your ass on Hurst a little bit. And if Hurst or whoever else that you pick isn't working out, then you can just – you could probably – I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to start O.J. in, in decent matchups. I think he's going to be a streamable asset. Yeah, I, I could definitely see it. Gronk's been busy cutting WWE promos. So, you know, I think that he's going to be like a red zone guy, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah which is what I think. He, he played 70% of his snaps in New England in line as a blocker, not on, like in the slot or moved around or anything. So it, it definitely wouldn't shock me if, because he's an older player too, I, I don't think there's, I think there's a chance that they just like use him as like a, as like a, another offensive lineman and then use him in the red zone. Like, I don't think he's going to have a huge role. Yep, agreed. So bounce back player for sure. Tight end one, probably not. No, probably not. But there's a chance if Gronk goes down. Yeah. All right, uh, Alex, if you want to get into your um, – I guess you'd be your first guy, then you can go ahead and do that. Okay. So guy I chose, David Montgomery. I think last year he was just overhyped so much that he just seemed like a complete bust. You know, he finished white, uh, running back 24, but – he was drafted in the third round. So it's not like he was drafted first round capital by the bears. 
or anything like that. So he was just being overhyped by every single analyst is what I saw. That made me stay away from him. I had zero shares of him. But yeah, I had zero too. This year, one. Yeah, so I mean this year it's just complete opposite. I feel like everyone thinks that he's a bust. He's second year, sophomore season. He only played 57% of the snaps last year. And there was five games that he played under 50% of the snaps in a game. So I just automatically think just the uptick of him just sophomore season, getting a little bit more touches, that automatically makes him a little bit more valuable. Where he's going in the drafts, I, I mean, I'd rather have him over, you know, a handful of people who are right next to him. Yeah, he definitely has some upside. I, I think I, I'm kind of I'm kind of like the whole industry on him. I'm kind of just he's just kind of mad yeah. to me. Like I don't know if I, I saw enough from him. Like there was no game that mean made me think like, yeah, this guy could be uber talented. But I mean, we've seen this before. Like DJ Chark didn't have any games like his rookie year where he was uber talented. Like he just came like kind of came onto the scene his second year. It's very possible that that Montgomery just comes out and the I mean, the game slows down for him, whatever you want to call it. The, whatever happens in his mind when he's playing just clicks, and he play, uh, becomes the player he was at, a, at Iowa State, who was, like, very elusive in terms of, uh, like, the advanced metrics. I could definitely see him having a bounce-back season. Again, yeah, a player I kind of liken, uh, liken him to is uh, a guy that was actually carrying the rock for the Bears for a few years. I mean, I could definitely see him, uh, if he hits, be, uh, being able to provide you some Jordan Howard type value, you know. Uh, I maybe a high. Matt Forte, dude. I, I thought you were going to say Matt Forte. I was like, Come dude, on, relax. No, in terms of jo uh, Jordan Howard, and since he's going to get the the, the uh, bell cow work from the rushing standpoint, at the same point, uh, staying stance, I don't necessarily think he has the receiving upside. So, I mean, if he hits and he gets that workload, I can definitely see him uh, ultimately giving you uh, maybe RB15 type value, RB17 type value. I'm just, again, I, like Corey, I'm not the biggest fan of him. I don't think he's got the highest ceiling. But, uh, I mean, you can't, again, you can't argue the volume he's going to get ultimately if he stays in that role. So, uh, that, that's definitely a good bounce back, especially considering, uh, again, me, me and Corey are lower on him. So, if he does it, that just makes guys like us look really foolish. So, yeah, uh, for sure. And I'm not saying go out and, you know, spend a fourth round pick on him and redraft or anything. I'm just saying, you know, if it's a sixth, seventh, eighth round and he's still there because your he league is kind be, of hitting off. He's not a big sure. player. If you're in a home league where players or where people don't like, they value names over, over uh, production and, and opportunity. Like it doesn't get much better opportunity than Montgomery has in front of him right now. Heck I can bet you in the majority of leagues, guys like David Johnson are going to go ahead of him. And I'd, I'd easily have David Montgomery over him. So yep. uh, yeah. Uh, Segwaying into Mex uh, my next guy, he was a player that burned you last year. If you picked him, as you mentioned, like David Montgomery, okay, whatever. He was a mid third round pick. Even if you picked him, I mean, it wasn't a big loss. The guy that I'm talking about right now, was an early second round pick. In fact, he was a top 15 pick almost unanimously. unanimously. And that's Juju Smith-Schuster. So uh, just say, uh, briefly touching upon what he did in 2019. Didn't crack 700 receiving yards. And it, that's very disappointing for a guy who in the second season was able to muster 1,400 receiving yards uh, in 2018. But I'm still optimistic. Uh, optimistic sorry. From a talent standpoint, from what I've seen from him, I mean, he's, he's one of the most productive uh, receivers in his first two years, basically in the entire league's history. So uh, you're, you're looking at these numbers, 2,300 yards basically in his first two years. I mean, that's elite. So uh, again, when it comes to Juju Smith-Schuster, he's a player who possesses immense potential, like immense. Like if he hits, he literally has boomer bust, top five type upside if he does hit. Just ultimately here, 
uh, people are going to judge him off of where they last saw him. And where they last saw him, Mason, Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges was thrown on the ball. You had a guy with a dent in, basically in his head and a guy who's a duck. So a uh, little joke here, but – He's not a duck. Yeah, I'll call him a duck because uh, that's all he throws. <laughs> yeah, he scares the shit out of me, man. Like I, like I, I want to believe in in the bounce back, but he scares the living shit out of me. And may, it, like, part of it's because I think the defense is so good on that team that they're not going to be the Steelers of old. But I mean, like, I could also see them. Like Juju's been an efficient player his whole career. I could see him being uber efficient like he used to be. Um, Ju- yeah, Juju is definitely probably the most popular bounce back candidate you're going to hear like everywhere is because he was like a borderline elite fantasy receiver his first yeah. two years in the league when he was like 21 and 22 years old. Yeah, the main th- – sorry, I'll let you talk in a second, Alex. Yeah. I just wanted to get this stat out. The main thing that really gives me optimism is the overall volume uh, for the passing offense. So in 2019, uh, they averaged 201 passing yards per game, threw 18 touchdowns to 19 interceptions with a 57.84 pass to run split, 10th worst in the league. And that's despite their bell cow back in James Conner missing, missing some time playing banged up. So in comparison to the career, uh, to the averages between 2016 and 2018 under Ben Roethlisberger, 45 games in that sample size out of the possible 48, the team averaged 293.3 passing yards per game, 91 passing touchdowns to 43 interceptions and a 62% run split or pass the run split. So uh, overall, I think this Pittsburgh offense is ultimately going to experience uh positive regression in that standpoint i mean it's going to happen and they're getting their starting quarterback back not to mention i ultimately think they are going to throw the ball at a higher clip than they did last season with those two bums at quarterback so that's my stance on juju well i'm someone who got personally burned you know by juju so i'll just talk about my experience drafting him in the second round you know when you have someone like that who's not injured who's pretty much playing the whole season but dealing with all the issues around the team Everybody wanted to see what Juju could do with Ben the whole season. And I think that because nobody ever got to see it, now it's like, you know, his seasons prior almost didn't even make a difference. Yeah, that narrative that was going into last year is stuck too because everyone's going to – like, obviously he lost his starting quarterback. Like, you could throw that narrative out the window, but people are still going to say, guarantee it's going to happen. And I've already heard it, is that he can't be a number one receiver without Antonio Brown. Because people are already saying it, and maybe it's true, but – from what I saw from him his first two years, it's not true. It's because he lost his quarterback. He himself was a little banged up. His fucking his whole offense was like hurt. Their their defense was like elite. I think I saw, I heard a stat that said like their defense was like the least injured unit in the league, but their offense was the most injured unit in the league. So it was like the most counterbalanced like situation you could ever imagine. So um, I'm gonna dig into our next guy here. Is I got Brandon Cooks, and I mean someone probably just threw up because I said Brandon Cooks, but. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins vacates 150 targets. This isn't chump change. 150 targets are gone. Not to mention the fact of just like he's the number one receiver and the whole passing game runs through him. Um, Watson is currently my number three quarterback on the year. I, like, I'm super high on Deshaun Watson this year. I expect him to throw 600 plus times because, I mean, we've, we've talked about it already. I don't think David Johnson's doing jack shit on the ground. <laughs> and I don't think Duke Johnson can do jack shit on the ground. And I think they might have the worst secondary and potentially even one of the worst defenses in the league. So I think Watson is going to have to put his Superman cape on week in, week out, and carry his team to wins. And I think the Texans are still going to be good because I think Watson is that good. And sometimes fantasy football isn't that hard. If you pick good players and you pick good receivers attached to good players, then good things happen. So before last year where Cooks um, dealt with a bunch of concussions and I think he had some soft tissue stuff as well, uh, he had four straight seasons 
um, where he had a, a thousand plus yards and five plus touchdowns. And in three of those seasons, he had like 1150 yards plus. Um, he did this despite only seeing 120 plus targets one time. His, uh, I believe it was his second season in New Orleans was his highest target total. Um, he missed two games his entire career. Everyone thinks he's like this injury prone player. He's not really. He just was injury prone last year. He missed two games his entire career, and then obviously he missed like the second half of the Super Bowl that one time. But oh yeah, God, yeah, where he got killed. I think it was Malcolm Jenkins killed him. But uh, he he's not an injury prone player. It's a complete recency bias thing, in in my opinion. With with Brandon Cooks, he's been reliable as shit up until this year, and he's going from I mean the Ram situation that seems to be getting worse. Like it might get better, but I'm not. It seems like it's getting worse. To the Texans, who's also kind of a shit situation, but he has a better quarterback now. And I mean. In the offense, he enters the receiving core where he can establish himself probably pretty quickly. Like, Watson's going to throw 600-plus times, as I mentioned. And I think Cooks is a lock for, like, 110-plus targets if he stays healthy with a ceiling of, like, 140, 150 targets if Will Fuller goes down, which is probably going to happen because it's Will Fuller. Yeah, I mean, I've – sorry, I was going to say, I've I've always been a big fan of Cooks from a talent standpoint. And as you mentioned, like, that that vacated – Sorry, that vacated production can't be argued. I mean, 150 targets is just an incredible amount. He burned the shit out of me uh, last year, man. I had him everywhere. Dude, I, I remember uh, – so I was in a keeper league where we keep two players, like just normal NFL players, and then uh, one rookie. So uh, I ended up keeping – it was George Kittle, Nick Chubb, and Chris McCaffrey. Great stack. But that basically took out my three rounds. So it was essentially the fifth, fifth round, but it was the second round of my league's draft. I took Brandon Cooks, and I'm like, okay, you know what? Uh, all I need him is to be a steady wide receiver for me. Uh, I, I have great running backs. I have George Kittle. And ultimately, I mean, he showed flashes at the beginning. And then, man, he just fucking – once he got hurt, he was not the same player. Yeah, he had like so, two usable fantasy games the whole year. He was not good at all. It's just, it's, just, it's just sad because I know when he is fully healthy and he does have the opportunity, he could really be productive. We saw it his first year in uh, uh, Los Angeles. What have you done for me lately? That's all that people care about. So. Yeah. You know, that's all they're going to remember is what happened. I, I don't know if he's the only guy to ever change teams three years in a row and throw up a 1,000 yards on each yeah, team. He's got to be one of the only guys. Yeah, I, I don't know any other case where that is. So if you know a case, throw it in the comments. And yeah. he, he's been holding the value. Yeah, I mean, concussions, that, that's always going to be an issue. But it's an issue for everybody. You take one shot to the head, I mean, you can get a concussion and your whole season is not going to be the same. Yeah, they trade. I mean, he's been traded for more draft capital than anyone in NFL history, probably. He's been traded for first round picks like a couple times. The Rams uh, got a second round pick for him. Like, I know the Texans are stupid and they don't know what they're doing, but like, I mean, he's got to be somewhat healthy if they traded a second rounder for him. You got to think, right? So yeah. I think well, Cooks is definitely a candidate for a bounce back. Uh, yeah, Alex, do you want to get into your next one here? I just yeah. want to say quickly they, they traded two second rounders for Brandon Cooks and David Johnson. Woo! The LeBron. Bill Belichick bought him for a first and then sold him for a first the next year. Like, talk about yeah. you know, winning right there. Yeah. So, we're going to stay on the Texans, and I'm going with Will Fuller. So, he's a bounce back. So, I know everyone's going to have their hot takes. Just, you know, hear me out. Bounce back player. That's what we're talking about. Finished at wide receiver 53 and was hurt, you know, for a bunch of the season. He's going so late, you're drafting him as a bench player. So let's just start there. It's not like you're drafting him with a lot of capital. He gives you upside that almost that very little receivers have. 
in the NFL, no matter what. He had two games over 140 yards, one game 217 yards. You know, that's one of the best games in history. Like five touchdowns, too. (laughs) Like the one game, he had like three and then he dropped like two. Yeah. And like one, he was like an inch away or a foot away or something like that, you know, super close. 14 catches is what's screaming to me as well. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, so it's not a flash in the pants, you know, just I'm going to go deep and that's it. Like, he can play all the roles. And with Hopkins out, he's just going to get used, I feel, more ways than he's ever been used before. And, yeah, he can get injured. Everybody can get injured. If you leave your draft and he's one of your bench players, I, I think your bench is looking pretty solid. Yep. Yeah, I mean, me, me and Corey have been hyping up Will Fuller all offseason. He's a really good balance back candidate. Uh, so we really like that pick there. I know Corey specifically wants to mention him. I've been hyping up this passing game for a long-ass time. I think Will Fuller, it'd be the most – I've said this a million times too. I think it's the most Will Fuller thing of all time if he just – in a contract year, he goes out and just balls the fuck out and they pay him like a bunch of money. And then he goes back to his injury-riddled ways after that. But, um, yeah, I think both of these guys, they're both going around the same area. I believe they're both like seventh-round picks or whatever. I don't, I don't really have a preference to either of them. I think they're both like solid picks. I think they're both, they both have like pretty similar upside. Whoever stays healthy, whoever is like the main uh, target there is going to eat. I think they can both, there's enough room for both of them if they were to both stay healthy. Yeah. Just touching upon that too. I mean, uh, we'll see the, wait, this will be coming out after. Okay. So hot commodities, uh, which will actually be coming out on the Thursday. Uh, you'll, you'll mention like, you'll see how I hate David Johnson. Well, I mean, if I hate the rushing attack, that means I have to like the receiving attack, especially when they're tied to a guy like Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. So overall, I mean, you mentioned both those Texans receivers. I think both of them can ball the fuck out this year. So, Mm uh, definitely good places. Uh, I'm going to stick a little more status quo for mine. I mean, uh, this is a guy, let's be honest here. You play fantasy football. You know who, you know who he is. You know, he's a fucking elite player. I'm talking about Alvin Kamara. Alvin and the ship monks himself. I mean, he carried you to, uh, to the championship probably two years ago when uh, he entered the season as the RB3, or uh, entered the season as the RB3 on his own team and finished the season as the RB3 in fantasy. So, uh, yeah, just touching upon uh, Alvin Kamara again. He's been ultra efficient, ultra productive since he's come into the NFL. Ultimately, he got hindered by the high ankle sprain last year. Same high ankle sprain that actually affected Saquon Barkley. I mean, you saw how the, that affected Saquon Barkley, a fucking animal. Uh, we all know as well. But just touching upon what Alvin Kamara was doing before he got that high ankle injury, 19.26 PPR points per game, which would have ranked as the RB6 on points per game. And that's despite having uh, a terrible uh, touchdown rate compared to his career average. So overall, I mean, RB6 PPR points per game. People are still somehow trying to find a way to fade him, even though let's be honest here, when he's fully healthy and he's returning to that, uh, he's going to regress to the mean. I mean, he's just going to score more touchdowns. It's going to happen. It's fucking Alvin Kamara. One of the best touchdown scorers in the previous two years. Uh, I'm sure he's going to score more than he did last year. You're getting a top four overall value. Ultimately, uh, with, whose upside just completely negates his risks, in my opinion. I don't think he's injury prone. I think one little stretch with a high ankle sprain is ultimately going to uh, sour people to him. But at the end of the day here, he's my RB4 for a reason. I think him and Zeke are all are even good bets to finish uh, – up to par with the Saquon Barkley's and Chris McCaffrey's of the world. So uh, those are my next two in line after those guys. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. He's my RB4 as well. I, I think it was just kind of a product of the injury and the, the, the situation just wasn't good. I think him and Barkley are going to have a similar bounce back. I don't think there's much else that needs to be said. For sure. How about you, Alex? Uh, 
Same. I mean, he, Kamar was drafted so high. I mean, he was drafted over CMC last year. I mean, I saw he was drafted over Barkley in some places. So, I mean, he was looked at as potential for sure top three. I mean, there's some people who had him number one. You know, yeah, so yeah. I, ha- I had him as my I had him as my number two ranked, and uh, I will say I had CMC as my number one ranked. So shout out to myself, but I didn't even follow my own philosophy. I had CMC in my keeper league. And in my other league, I had the number one overall pick. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Let's just diversify the revenue. Pass on CMC at number one overall to ultimately diversify the revenue. And look how that fucking got me. But Yeah, well, I had Barkley above both of them. So that's how it worked out for me. Um, okay, so getting into my next guy. Uh, this guy is going to probably make everyone puke. I'm just I'm picking gross names here. Sorry. Uh, Jared Goff is my next guy. Uh, he's basically last year was the perfect example of why like volume doesn't equal an elite fantasy option because he was solid. Like he was okay towards the back end of the year. He had some good games, but he had 626 passing attempts last year. He was, he had like a crazy amount of passing attempts. I think when he, when we played them, I think he threw the ball like 55 times. Um, but the big thing for me is efficiency because Jared Goff, because the situation he's been in, and this is basically most people's complaints with Jared, Jared Goff is that he's being coddled like a little child in, in his situation by Sean McVay. But uh, he had a 3.5 touchdown percentage last year, which is, is like 2% lower than his career average. And he had over 5.5 the previous two years with Sean McVay. And it should regress positively to the mean of his career, which is like high fours. Um, so that should add a couple touchdowns to his game. And another thing is, uh, Danny mentioned this in a couple other videos, but they didn't address the offensive line a lot. But um, in my opinion, I think McVay has kind of warranted us to trust him a little bit. I don't think he's like a shitty coach all of a sudden. I think he he's pretty much the same guy that he's always been, except he, he's got like, it's a, what have you done for me lately thing with Sean McVay too. I don't think people are, are giving him the benefit of the doubt and, and allowing him time to adapt and change his offense. We saw it last year with their, uh, with their 12 personnel shift that he was able to adapt his offense, which a lot of coaches wouldn't have done. So I'm hoping that he's able to get Jared Goff back into a rhythm, back into his thing. It could have also, I mean, I don't know if you believe in Super Bowl hangovers. It could have been that as well, but Definitely. I yeah. Mean, a Super Bowl hangover of nine wins. Yeah, yeah, and they still weren't a bad team last year. Like, uh, to me, removing Gurley is a good thing from the offense because Gurley was super inefficient last year. And I'm, I'm not the biggest Cam Akers fan, but maybe he's effective as a rookie. Like, I'm going to be wrong about things. Uh, Daryl Henderson could take a step forward. I think the rushing attack should be as good, if not better, than it was last year. And I think McVay's 12 personnel system should help Goff out a lot as well because 12 personnel in general – it makes the defense guess more because you can very, very easily run out of it. And you can also pass out of it as well, especially with the Rams having Everett and Higby both fully healthy. They're both two solid tight ends. And then, I mean, we'll see what cup is doing on the outside, but hopefully it's cup and woods on the outside of the, of the formation there. And I'm basically just betting that last year was Goff's floor, which sounds weird because he had so many pass attempts, but in terms of an efficiency uh, standpoint, I think that's more so Goff's wheelhouse. I don't think he's going to be a high volume passer all the time even though I do think they're going to probably pass the ball a decent amount still uh, this year. I think his efficiency is, is just due for uh, positive regression. I think where he's going right now, he's like the definition of a late round quarterback. He's like a 13th round pick. You pick him at the end of your draft and you, you roll, you roll with him because he's, he's super, he's pretty much safe as it gets because he's got good weapons and he's, he's not going to get benched and all that stuff. So I definitely like golf to bounce back this year. Yeah, I, I like that as well. I mean, the general narrative around golf is, oh, he's not good all of a sudden. Like, fuck that. I mean, let's be honest here. When, when you lose guys like Brandon Cooks on your offense, your offensive line struggled a little bit. 
And in general, I mean, Gerald Everett, again, was another big loss for them. Uh, you're going to look bad. I mean, fuck. That, that's my main thing with people is it just it pisses me off when a quarterback loses some targets and they all of a sudden randomly start playing bad. Okay, oh, we wonder why, right? We wonder why. Same thing. Guy too. If Cup is, is right next year, he's going to, like, I don't know what it is. Like, I bet if you took the splits with Cup, like, in the lineup with Goff, his numbers would be horrible when, Goff, uh, when Cup isn't in the lineup. And not that Cup missed a lot of games last year, but I do think the ACL affected him um, a year after, um, and he was still a little banged up. But, man, Goff could, like, he was literally an MVP candidate, like, two years ago. Like, he actually was, like, a, a super good fantasy quarterback, too, because his offense was so good. Yeah, I remember all that. Their chips I, in on, they threw all their chips in on Gurley is what happened. I mean, when you pay someone that kind of money, I mean, you know, you're invested in that person. That's really what it was. They didn't want to change their strategy early. Kind of hurt them late because Gurley was just banged up the whole time. So I think we're really going to see how creative McVay is because, uh, you know, not having Gurley, I mean, he's literally going to have a different team this year than he's ever coached. For sure. And they got absolutely – I don't remember what week it was, but when they got romped by the Ravens, I believe, is when, the, like, the shift started happening in their in their philosophy and in their play because they were playing, like, middling, like, crappy football, and then they got a kick in the ass, and then they kind of stepped it up, and they shifted their philosophy, and, and Goff started playing better, and Higby kind of broke out. And then hopefully – I'm just hoping that the offense is, is what we saw at the end of the season, not as, as much what we saw at the beginning in the middle of the season. Something was happening with Woods, too. Remember, he missed those, like, two games for, like, personal reasons, but you don't really know what. So that might have been something that was messing him up the whole year. We don't even know what it was. Yeah, plus they they drafted Van Jefferson, who I was a fan of, coming out. And Josh Reynolds, I believe, was banged up as well. It was just, like, an injured team last year, to be honest. So I I still don't think their defense is going to be, like, unreal. Like, I think it's going to be probably okay. There's there's some superstars on that defense. But, like, other than that, it's probably going to allow some points. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to throw this year, too. All yeah, right. I agree with that. Uh, so who's your next guy, Alex? All right. So I'm just going to tell everyone my Twitter handle because I know I'm going to get a lot of hate about this one. FF Hustler 420. All right. So comeback player, someone who really hasn't been fantasy relevant, you know, in the last couple of years, especially not in one QB leagues. Tom Brady. Okay. okay Tom thank Brady. You. Who, you, who do you think he was going to say? I thought he was going to say Aaron Rodgers. Oh, God. Well, he definitely hasn't been relevant the last few years. But I think Tom Brady, he, I mean, besides being rejuvenated with a brand new team, not being under Bill Belichick and, you know, whatever, you know, Belichick demands, you know, of him mentally. And Belichick. Yeah. So we're talking about Jameis Winston thrown for 5,000 yards last year. You know, they, we didn't lose any, they didn't lose anybody and they gained Gronk. Whether Gronk really makes that much of an impact or not, he's going to have a friend there you know, who he's going to be able to bond with right away. And I don't know how you have this many weapons and you're not, you don't end up being a top seven QB. That's where I think he's going to finish at the end of the year, top seven. And I think everyone really has the same consensus top seven. I think that he, that he shakes that up and someone's not going to make the top seven because of him. Yeah. It'll probably be Josh Allen. Cause he's yeah. not actually a good quarterback. He's just good for fantasy, but uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm a Bucks fan. Like I know the upside of Tom Brady and usually like it's simple math when Godwin's going to be a top five receiver and Evans is going to be a, or a top seven receiver, both those guys, the quarterback's got to be good at some point in the season, right? Like they, they can't just like feed two on like elite receivers and a couple good tight ends and not be fantasy relevant. So 
when you get into streaming territory, which is where Tom Brady is at this point in his career, it, you're only as good as the weapons around you. And the weapons around Tom Brady, like you said, they're the best they've been since probably 2007. So um, I definitely could see Tom Brady – I could see him finishing higher than seven. I could see him finishing as a top three quarterback if he has, like, a, a super efficient year. Like, the offensive line obviously improved um, in front of him uh, from what Jameis Winston had to deal with uh, with Tristan Wirfs and, and, and DeMar Dotson's old ass out of town. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, now, for my last guy, he is connected to my first guy, if you guys remember my first guy being Juju Smith-Schuster. My last guy I'm going to talk about is Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, if I think Juju, Juju, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have a bounce back, and I think Deontay Johnson is going to be a sleeper, and I think this offense is going to be good, well, the quarterback that's going to be pioneering it needs to be a damn good player in order for that to happen, which I honestly believe a healthy Ben Roethlisberger is going to be able to do. Now, from a volume standpoint, we all know how bad the Pittsburgh passing game was last year. I mentioned earlier the stats. You guys can refer back to it uh, uh, on the article. But uh, 3,200 passing yards is a big one for me in 16 games. Just for reference, uh, the other games, like when Ben Roethlisberger was healthy since 2014, 4,900 passing yards. 3,912 games, 3,814, which was his actual lowest, which is still a lot, 4,215, and 5,116 in 2018, the last time we saw him fully healthy. I mean, he's going to throw for a lot of yards. I mean, people were saying, oh, we don't know how Ben's going to be. He's injury blown, blah, blah, blah. He missed one season. I get that. His age is going to be a concern. People ultimately are always going to say if an older player gets hurt, they're injury prone. I don't know why it is. It just always gets associated with older, older players. Adam Thielen, for example, misses fucking half a season. Oh, he's 30 years old and he missed half a season. He's automatically injury prone. That's the stupidest argument I've ever seen. Now, he presents risk. I'm not going to say he doesn't. But if he ultimately is able to give you a 16-game sample size, uh, I, I do think he's going to present top 15 type value. So uh, that's where I have him right now. I mean, there is risk associated. But ultimately, if he does play the full 16, Again, he's definitely a designated balance back for me, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think there's any risk associated with him, mainly because he's going so late, it doesn't matter. That's that's If he was like a 10th rounder or whatever, maybe there's some risk associated with Ben Roethlisberger is an afterthought for most people. He's, he didn't play last year. He's out of sight, out of mind. Ben Roethlisberger is basically just like a, a, a Jameis Winston, uh, older version of Jameis Winston. He just throws the ball a fuck ton. And I think the offensive volume is de- – or the passing volume in the offense is definitely going up this year. I think they were just trying to guard their shitty quarterback play and, and let their defense win close games. I still think there's a risk that Ben has really never had a defense this good in his career. Like, well, maybe not in his career, but since like 2010. So yeah, I don't think, I don't think the days of Ben throwing like whatever it was, 650 pass attempts two years ago or whatever. I don't think he gets back to that volume. 675. Yeah. Like that's just nuts. I don't think he ever gets back to that volume, but I, I think he's going to throw 500 and, 50 times probably which is I mean like a normal season for Ben Roethlisberger usually so I definitely could see the offense taking a step like definitely taking a step forward and the the surrounding weapons benefiting including Juju and Deontay Johnson maybe even James Washington as well if you you remember that movie Zach and Miri make a porno that crazy guy who went in there and he was like hook it chuck it football like that's big Ben like that that's all he plays (laughs) like he's just gonna hook it and chuck it keep figuring out a way to get it downfield. And um, 
I'm surprised that everybody wanted like Tomlin fired last year for as horrible as like the offense was with all the injuries and everything. And and they still finished eight and eight. Like you know, that's eight, pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, I mean, he went from like being f- like he should be on the hot seat to like he should be coach of the year like really quick. Like it was like the weirdest like shift I've ever seen in like the public perception of a coach. Um, anything else before we get out of here, gentlemen? Are we we good? We're all okay, good. Danny flexes in every episode. So I um, hope you guys enjoyed that. Don't worry, Nick's uh, tattoos will be back next week. Uh, <laughs> if you guys missed it, we'll make Danny get some tattoos if he has to fill in again. Down. Hey, <laughs> um, one right on my shoulder. You know, this is what I was showing. Yeah, I mean, he flexes it all the time, so at least have some of the viewers to see. Uh, make sure you guys are uh, joining the link in the Discord. I know the link's been fucking up for some people lately, but we're, we got that fixed for straight away on that. Uh, in about a month from now, uh, a little less than a month, actually, we'll have our, our Redraft and Dynasty Guide dropping. It'll be at a, a super low price, a lot of value packed into that, so make sure you guys are tuning into that. Um, follow us all along on Twitter, um, Alex, myself, Nick. Uh, all the other guys, um, Danny, I didn't even mention you there. That was kind of <laughs> weird. Um, anything else before we get out of here? We're all good, bro. All right. Take it easy, guys. Enjoy your Monday and uh, have a good week. Later, everybody.